So I want to just touch briefly on how you came to 3D printing. You've told the story lots of different ways and many times, I'm sure. So if you had to summarize very quickly, how did you come into 3D printing? I was just an adventurous child. I saw 3D printing machines and at the time when I discovered 3D printing was also the time when um, the research communities of the scientific research community in South Africa were so drawn to the technology and its applications within the medical space. And I've always defined myself as someone who's curious. So I was driven by curiosity. And you know, curiosity led me into 3D printing and finally tying myself to saying, let me do masters for the sake of continuously being in this environment where I experienced 3D printing and um, seeing the beautiful applications that that it does and the possibilities it will have in um, growing um, new innovations within um, South Africa and the continent at large and also expanding um, the science and tech um, ecospace that we have in South Africa. Earlier tonight you spoke very beautifully about prototyping 3D printing versus actually scaling it for for commercial uses. Can you just explain these ideas just a little bit more? Uh, you know, when 3D printing came into market, it was um, a lot for prototyping. Um, as still for mass production, 3D printing is, is very expensive. Um, you know, when you compare it to um, technology such as injection molding, where injection module can build as many parts as possible. Hold on, but for people who wouldn't understand, what is injection molding? Um, injection molding is normally um, where you have, uh, you build a mold in steel, and then you can just um, inject plastic, um, melt plastic, injecting it, and it can mold to whatever shape you want. Um, that's what they use to create chairs. So if you can go to large industries, it's like they melt uh, plastic pellets and then it just um, gets into that mold and then they clamp it together and within a few minutes, a chair comes out. Okay, okay, I see. All right, so please continue, industrial molding. Um, so the thing is, we are, we are talking about, we got to a point where we need to create a lot more products um, within South Africa and um, for us to be able to create more products that are accurate is for us to go into 3D printing because 3D printing was a cheaper way for us to prototype so if you want to create a cell phone um, cell phone cover rather than you taking the step of creating a mold that could cost you around 40,000 why don't you just um, prototype using 3D printing which will cost you about 2,000 rand so that you see the look and feel of how that product would look like. You started in breasts, you did yes. prosthesis, you've now transitioned molding your passions of your passion of sport and your passion of technology in 3D and created a very, I think a pioneering field in sports technology in South Africa. Yeah. Tell us about that. Um, you know, I always say that with breast prosthetics, it was, oh, it was just a trial error, like, can we do it? Yes, we can do it. So let's go with it. 
uh, but sport has always been an area I was passionate about and you know I always go back to when I was in varsity when we'd usually be asked where do you want to work in and I always used to tell my friends I'm going to create something big in sport you know but in sports tech I remember there were times when I used to uh, take out a paper and be drawing a lot of things like I uh, would be able to players won't be injured would be able to determine friction so that they have the right soccer boots and everything and everything was around football and funny enough when I was at varsity and uh, just outside I used to sit at the corner and next to the window and when I looked outside I used to see Bifontaine Celtic train and I knew that my heart is in this room and it's also at that soccer field and um, I'm glad that I took a long journey I, I filled so many times with breast prosthetics um, with all the other products I, I tried out because when I came back to where my heart is which is sport I'm a better entrepreneur and I'm a better um, product developer and I'm a better business leader I truly believe the world could have not experienced me a lot more had I been lucky enough to get into that business earlier like five years ago I, I don't think anyone could have experienced me but now I'm a more developed person and I can do more for sports than what I had ever envisioned now I mean you touched on a very interesting point for many entrepreneurs everybody fails at a different rate for longer or for shorter but we all get sold this dream that you have to fail fast and you know fail but fail fast and adapt yeah. uh, it's important to fail fast and it's important to allow yourself to fail mm -hmm. uh, because with me and doing breast and other products I could have still continued mm. you know I could have never allowed myself to fail I allowed myself to fail because I realized that I didn't love what I was doing mm. so the only way for me to get out of that was for me to allow myself to fail I always believe that failure is the stepping stone of success and there is so much success in failure that we never even take time to explore. Like what for you? Um, to me, had I not allowed myself to fail, I would have never been where I am. I would have never been broken to such an extent that I really have to ask myself questions of who am I? What do I love? Mm -hmm. So it is through that time of failure where you begin to have a clarity of thought. And clarity of thought is the most important thing that you'd ever have as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Because it's in that process where your real honesty, your true self, your identity comes up. Because as you get a lot of failures, as you get a lot of blows, the lies get filtered mm -hmm. and your truth emerges. Now, you finally, and the light emerged for you, you finally find your passion, you develop a way to, to monitor sports people's injuries before they happen. So you can almost predict what is going to happen to a player based on what you can observe, based on the 3D modeling you can build around the player. Yes. 
That's the simple version. That's the that's layman's the, version. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> the, that's, the, that's the layman's version. And I always say that we help players enjoy enjoy their sport a lot more mm-hmm. for a longer period. And we help supporters be able to um, watch their player a lot more for mm-hmm. a longer sustained period. Mm-hmm. And that's more that we do because more than just doing this product, I'm a sports fanatic. You know, um, I always tell people that I have some players that I love so much. And... When I think about this product, I think about one of the basketball players I loved with my whole heart, Debbie Gross. Mm-hmm. He has been prone to injuries um, throughout his career. One of the best athletes, you know, became MVP at a very young age, playing for, playing for Chicago Bulls. And all of a sudden, he would come back from injury, be injured again. Mm-hmm. So I think to myself, how can I help that kind of player? Because it's more than just the product you know how an injury hurts a player because their lives are affected i mean everything they've ever done in their lives is play sport that's sport and when you get injured it's more like you're telling a person you no longer can work sit on the sidelines okay so you found passion but now how do you turn this passion into a business once you have managed to mold this uh, or once you've managed to build this model around the, 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 the sports person and their career suddenly expands, the longevity of their career expands from 10 to 15, 20 years. They saw you one time. How do you make money going forward? The um, thing is, um, we, we sell, uh, we sell, we pro- do a product and also provide services. You know, when we started, we were all some about we're going to just do a product where it's just the software that we sell to clubs. But now clubs have come to us and athletes say, uh, clubs come to us and say, you know, actually, we love the product, but mm-hmm. we also want the service. What we do is we give you the freedom to get into our team. Mm-hmm and use your product to analyze our athletes and give us the results, you know, and tell us what we need to do, advise us. Because I have a strong relationship with a lot of professional coaches and to them it's also, they, they, they panic when one of the players is injured. Mm. So if you're going to tell me that I need to rest this player, give me that advice. Mm. I, I would love you to give me that advice. Mm. If you're going to tell me that, you know what, Within 40 minutes, just take out this player out of the field. Mm. Give me that advice. That's just what I want. I don't want to be going through all this process where I'm working around a website because we don't have the skills. You can just come to my club and work around. We are good to go. So we sell um, club licenses that are priced at around 750000 for 30 players per season mm. where we do those data analysis, um, get the results and be able to come to conclusions and advise coaches and also advise players. And also we also create a customized strength and conditioning plan mm-hmm. together with the club's medical team on how to better train this player for them to avoid injuries at particular areas. And also we were planning on taking a step ahead on saying, uh, creating a customized coaching plan where we say, let's model this player's play um, mm. so that they, because sometimes people get injured a lot because they play their football in such a way where um, how, how they turn, how they run, mm. they make themselves prone to injury. So mm. change your game probably change a position and be in a position where you are able to be at your elite level. Now, did you find that developing your product happened as a result of you thinking beyond just the product in your business or 
you know, did you build the next application of your business as a result of the team's feedback coming back? You know, sometimes entrepreneurs, you are thinking three years ahead and you think, okay, I'm doing this now, but because I want to go over there. You know, you know, the funny thing about this uh, product is that I build it a uh, customer-centric product, you know, because it's the people I talk to every single day. They talk about, okay, I want things to be like this in the next two years. I want it to be like this in the next three years. And because it was an environment I've spent my whole lifetime in, which is the sports environment, you know, when it's customer-driven, you already know what it's going to look like in the next years, what they would want, because they're telling you what we want, mm. what they want, mm. you know. So mm. um, with it, it helped me, you know, when they talk about design thinking, to say that design around a person, mm. not design around money or design about what you think people need, but what a person tells you they need. Mm. And that's how the product is. That's why when you look at three years back, it, three years from now, four years from now, I can still see what it's going to look like mm. because... I mean, apart from me building this product, it's what I would have wanted as a sports player. I played basketball for a very long time and mm. I know what injuries do to, to a person. I would go to the doctor and I had a groin. When I get to to, to my physio, I, I would suddenly be okay, mm. you know. And when I get out, I try to drive. I can't drive at all. I mean, I spent about two years not being able to drive and not being able to communicate my injury. Mm. So I guess this is the scale, right? Yeah. Um, you've developed something. I mean, sport is maybe the biggest, most interesting activity in the world and maybe the most profitable. Yes. And this can move beyond soccer, right? This could be applied in cricket and rugby and swimming. And yes. Um, um, it can be applied, we're looking at after football, we're looking at rugby, we're looking at cricket uh, because I mean you check cricket, most of the athletes are the injuries that are prone around the back um, and more than just injuries, you know, um, when we create a model of a person, we now see how can a person play for them to avoid injuries, so how do you hold a cricket bat, how mm. do you bat, mm. so that um, how your swing is you know it's not just cricket even sports as simple as you know golf how should you swing be so that you can be able to project the ball for longer distances you know you model that and a person knows okay this is how i need to train myself for me to have a better projection if i want the ball to be closer how can my swing be how can i position my body because i think we are totally different as people my swing is different from yours so this is really how you scale 3d printing this is how i've scaled three things you've learned um in my entrepreneurial journey in your entrepreneurial journey um first appreciate your region you know um my success came from me appreciating my origin mm -hmm. um second Second, um, build a community of people who appreciate for who you really are. Mm. I think a lot of times we try to find ourselves in spaces where we don't need to be there. You know, you need to 
build network, be around people in the same journey as you learn, mm. and particularly in an event just such as the jam session. You know, it's 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 an event where it's learning you are people in the same journey as you. People who are willing to help you. Mm. So I surround yourself in that. And third, um, be as ruthless as possible. You know, with your dreams. You know, I mean, when you wake up in the morning, step into your dream. You know, mm. I mean. I mean, sometimes I I walk around and people would call my name and I don't hear because I'm in my own world yeah. where I see the things I see. You know, I see how my company is going to be. I see what my office is going to look like. I see, I see how the reception desk is going to be. I see how the design of the um, waiting area is going to look mm-hmm. like. I see everything I see. I even know the first international club that we are going to send and I even know who I'm going to talk to, how I'm going to enter the doors. Mm-hmm. I know what my reaction is going to be after signing that contract. Mm-hmm. I even see myself. <laughs> you see yourself celebrating that victory. I see myself celebrating and funny enough, I see myself celebrating that victory at oh, at Cape Town International Airport. Airport, funny enough. Okay. Three things you would want investors potential investors to know about you about your business how you choose to operate um thing is um i'm a very secretive person i'm very quiet maybe it's some things that uh, people you build when you have been in research for a long time particularly in um when you're a fundamentalist you we, we really talk about what we do we're mm-hmm. just a secret society but um, but what I want investors to know is to appreciate the sports market, you know, um, in Africa because a lot of times when we talk about businesses here in South Africa, we talk about fintech, we, we talk about edtech, we talk mm-hmm. about you know your your big businesses that have been there. I think they need to take a closer look at sports tech. It's one of the biggest entertainment in the world. Mm, you know, true. and we need to start seeing how can we create, um, invest in innovations that grow the sports tech sector, in not only in South Africa but in Africa. For sure. Yeah, and the only way we can build the best football players or the best sports players uh, is if we dedicate in sports data science. And the second one is, I think investors need to take a risk on people like and people like me. You know, um, the only way we can create the things that we do is if there is risk capital. Uh, with someone's belief to say that this girl has a brilliant idea, she has the right attitude, she has been in business, failed so many times, but she is still stood strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's someone I can put, uh, I can take my risk on. Third thing. Um, the third thing. <laughs> Well, what would be the third thing? I mean, I also, more than just investors, I, all, I always believe that some of the investors are your clients, you know. Yeah. I think clients need to invest in this product because um, we can truly grow as businesses 
in South Africa and in Africa, if we have clients that are willing to say, I'm, I can take up this, I can buy this license, mm. you know, mm. it shouldn't come from Europe um, or you shouldn't force entrepreneurs to get out of the African, uh, to, out of Africa and move to Europe for mm. them, for you to start appreciating the work they do. The biggest investment is if you buy my product and take a chance on me. Nelly, thank you for your time. Thanks so much.